Welcome back to The Secret Lair. I'm Mark, the Eclectic Dyslexic. And you know what? I'm going to be with you guys in just a moment here. I'm just finishing up an important phone call right now. Sorry about that, honey. It was a work thing. Yeah, I was telling you about the new job. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of, um, shall we say, a management position? Kind of upper management? Yeah, I got a lot of people underneath me. Yeah, thanks. It, it's good. No, no, it, it, it's good. It is. It's... Okay, well, here's the thing. is This place, it's uh, not the nicest place in the world. I mean, before I got here, the guy that was in charge was not nice. And a lot of the people that worked here were not nice. And I think we can turn it around, and I think we can make this place really work and be a positive force. But at the same time, I'm worried that they might make me not nice either. I can always count on you to support me. I appreciate that. Well, hey, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you got important stuff to do. I'll call you back later after your appointment, okay? <laughs> okay. I love you, too. Talk to you soon. Master, I hope I'm not disturbing you. No, I'm, I'm just finishing up in here, Drudge. Yeah. What is it? I thought you may wish to be informed. There's a supervillain on his way to the lair. He intends to kill you and take your place as king of the supervillains. Huh. Is it Wednesday already? Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle, you are men! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. You can't handle the truth! I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hell no, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I didn't get a harump out of that guy. Get the governor from Trump. Ever dance with the devil? How about you, you crazy Dutch bastard? What's your favorite scary movie? This way you feel. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ape. 60% of the time, it works. Every time. Would you give me a hand with the bags? Certainly. You take the blonde, and I'll take the one in the crazy. Go ahead. Make my day. Warriors! Come out to play! Everyone in this room is now dumber for having left this I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. If you follow me, Master, your lieutenants are meeting in the war room to discuss the situation. Oh, well, at least I get to meet everyone. Now, who wants to kill me and why? He's a ruthless supervillain called the Mastodon. He's a half-man, half-elephant mutant. Wait, is that the guy your girlfriend works for? Ah, yes. She is so beautiful. You know, she has this cute little thing she does when she... Drudge! Why is he trying to kill me? Oh, yes. 
Apparently, he doesn't feel you are worthy of being king of the supervillains. Also, he feels disrespected because you ignored all of his messages. Those would be the messages you did not give to me. Yes. Did you reach out and apologize to him as I asked you to? Well, I called, uh, but got answered, and we got to talking, and I kind of forgot. Great. I am sorry. The War Council is behind this door. Uh, before we enter, though, I would like to suggest a course of action that will not be offered. These kind of situations arise from time to time in our business. What is needed at this time is a show of strength. If you were to publicly execute one of your lieutenants, that would show that you are not to be trifled with. Thanks, Drudge, but I'm pretty sure we can find another way to work this out. As you wish. Master, allow me to introduce your lieutenants. You're already familiar with Dr. Gene Splicer and Bob Fodder? Of course. Eclectic dyslexic. It is so good to see you again. Great one. Next to him is your zombie financial consultant, the taxidermist. If you want someone written off, then I'm your man. I mean, seriously, I can pretty much find you deductions anywhere. Oh, okay. Um, good to know. Next to him, you'll notice the man with the gigantic brain. Yes. Yes, I, I noticed him. He is one of the most powerful telekinetics you will ever see. We know his name is Psyman. And I'd like to do drawings. Oh, okay. We, we've we actually got something in common, then. Over here is your military strategist, General Chicken. <laughs> you know, you kind of remind me of Super Cluck. <laughs> no, I don't think all chickens look alike. Hey, now that's uncalled for. Frickin' chicken. And finally, the fowl. And with my cunning, we will... Wait a second, are you wearing a turkey costume? Yes, I have the ability to... You're wearing a turkey costume. Well, fowl is kind of a play on words, you see, but you're wearing a turkey costume. Yes. Okay, whatever. So people, you all know the situation. We need to come up with the ideas. We need to figure this out. So, let's get started. One hour later. This no, guy's an elephant. No, 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 it's so not just using against him. trained my zombie Oh, stop it! Come on! We gotta find some way of showing I'm a strong leader without killing anyone. Now, can we do that? There's got to be a less evil way of getting out of this. With all due respect, this is how things are done. I mean, we are mad scientists after all. That doesn't mean we have to be evil. There are a lot of mad scientists out there that are not evil. Like who? Like Dr. Michael Hathar. I'm unfamiliar with this doctor. Is he a geneticist? He's a brain surgeon. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah, I thought you might. You know what? Carl, can we bring up the man with two brains, please? At once, sir. Mug shots. Turn to the right! He's a world-famous brain 
own surgeon. The only time we doctors should accept death is when it's caused by our own incompetence. And blade scalpel, medicine bomb scissors. Medicine bomb scissors. Who wants only one thing in a woman? A cat out of here. The perfect mind in the perfect body. Out of control in the man with two brains. She's not right. She's dead. Dead. I better get her to a cemetery right away. Tense. Jumpy. Six weeks and you haven't made love to your wife yet? Into the mud, scum queen. Oh, you have no hair. Lake today kissing your brain as far as i'm concerned you're the most complete woman i've ever known all my life i wanted women with great bodies i've had the top of her head off but that's as far as it went steve martin the man with two brains you'll laugh your cranium off yeah Rated R. Starts Friday, June 3rd. Check newspapers for local listing. The Man with Two Brains, 1983. A brain surgeon marries a femme fatale, causing his life to turn upside down. Things become more awry when he falls in love with a talking brain. Directed by Carl Reiner. Starring Steve Martin. Kathleen Turner, David Warren, and Sissy Spacek. Bullet points. Dr. Michael Hafar, played by Steve Martin, after performing complex brain surgery, drives with a reporter in his car asking about his unique surgery techniques. He's quoted as saying, my brilliant work in brain transplant is unsurpassed and will probably make my name live beyond eternity. He then asks them to take out the probably. Between scenes of him driving, we cut to scenes of Dolores, played by Kathleen Turner, mentally torturing an old rich man she married for his money. She is getting him angry enough to have a heart attack, but he has written her out of the will. While driving, Dr. Hafar is paying attention to a doll of his late wife that he's placed on the dashboard. He doesn't see Dolores run in front of him, and he accidentally hits her. He gives a five-year-old girl very complex instructions for calling for help, which she repeats perfectly to him, but he does yell at her when she starts diagnosing her condition. Dr. Hafar is advised not to operate on Dolores due to his involvement in the accident, worrying he may become emotionally involved. He says the only other doctor he would trust is Beckerman, but he was murdered in Europe. He says not only is he dead, he's six million miles away. He saves her with a brain surgery technique he invented called cranial screw top, a method where he can unscrew a large section of the skull. Michael falls for Dolores, but feels bad because he misses his late wife. He promises he will never read their favorite poem to her, 
which he then immediately does. He asks his late wife for a sign if he should be with Dolores. At this moment, the room shake, the paintings spin, the walls crack, and a woman's voice can be heard screaming no. He says he'll look for a sign, but in the meantime, he's putting the painting in the closet. He takes his new bride home and carries her across the threshold, saying he wants the moment to last forever. The next morning, he is standing in the same spot in his house, still holding his bride. The maid said they took pictures and have had time to get them developed. Dolores tells Michael that she is not able to walk or to make love to him because she is still recovering from surgery. However, she does jump out of the wheelchair and run across the room when she sees the sexy gardener outside. Dr. Hafar is becoming very frustrated due to the lack of sex in his life, but realizes that his wife is too weak for that. Although at this time, she is having sex with the gardener. The senior gardener catches her, and she fires him. She tells Dr. Hafar that he groped her and did the same to his late wife. She rejoices in hurting him. She agrees to have sex with him, so he performs two brain surgeries at the same time in order to rush home. But as soon as he gets home, he is denied again. Michael's boss suggests they go to a lecture in Austria, use it as a chance to have a honeymoon. After arriving at the hotel, they lie in bed together smoking, and he says this was the best sexual experience of his life without actually having it. Michael gets off an elevator that is stuck between floors. He is told that the elevator operators are too scared to work due to a serial murderer known as the Elevator Killer. Michael realizes this is the same way Beckerman was killed. That evening, Michael goes to a lecture to demonstrate his cranial screw-top technique. But instead of brains inside the body, three lemons fall out. He is told there has been a rash of brain thefts. After the lecture, Dr. Hafar meets Dr. Necessitor, a brilliant but fringe brain scientist who wishes Michael to come back to his laboratory. He quotes the article to him saying that his work in brain surgery will probably make his name last beyond eternity. Michael says he told them to take out the probably. While they're having this discussion, a woman enters onto an elevator and smiles at the person there with her, until he injects her with a syringe. Michael goes into Necessitor's condo, which on the inside resembles a medieval castle. His laboratory is filled with brains being kept alive in jars. He tells Michael he's working on a way to transfer the consciousness from a dying brain into a new body. Necessitor informs Michael that he gets his brains from the elevator killer, who injects victims with window cleaner, causing the brain to die last. This leads to an argument on morality of what he is doing, which spills into an argument with the neighbors as they yell at each other through the walls. Necessitor says the walls look solid, but are paper thin. It is at this point Necessitor says to Michael, he will show him the most amazing, the most awesome, 
and then the phone rings and he has to leave. He asks Michael to come back later that night. Before leaving, though, Michael has a weird feeling when standing near the brains. Michael gets home and finds his wife ready to let another man touch her butt for $15,000. This causes a huge fight between them, and Michael enacts a citizen's divorce. After Michael leaves for Necessitor's home, Dolores gets a call that Michael's grandmother passed away and left a huge estate to him. While waiting for Dr. Necessitor, Michael pulls out the small doll of his wife and speaks to her and sings their favorite song. He is shocked to hear a woman's voice singing back, more shocked to realize it is one of the brains. He can communicate to it telepathically. She introduces herself as Anne Aho Melmahe, played by Sissy Spacek. He is also impressed that she is the only one that can seem to pronounce his name. Necessitor returns and shows that he has transferred the mind of Dr. Beckerman into the body of a gorilla. Michael doubts this until the gorilla scratches his groin. Then he is convinced it is Beckerman. Michael comes home and finds a suicide note from Dolores, and then finds her on the ledge. He, as far as he knows, rescues her, and performs a citizen's annulment. The two finally have sex. That night, Michael wakes to hear a cry for help from Anne. He goes to Necessitor's condo, but can't figure out how to get into the lab. He leans against the door and falls straight through it. The butler reminds him the walls are paper thin. He finds out Necessitor was planning on putting Anne's brain into the body of a gorilla, so he steals her and hides her in his closet. Michael convinces Dolores to stay in Europe for a while, and he sets up a house with a lab where he spends most of his time with Anne. It frustrates Dolores that she has to work so hard to get Michael's attention. Dolores confronts Michael about spending time with a brain. While they argue, Michael gets a call about his estate and realizes Dolores just stayed with him for the money. As he is packing to leave, Dolores puts Anne into the oven. Michael gets her out, but she can't remember the number nine. He screams at her, you cooked her nines, then literally tosses Dolores out of the house into the mud. She vows to kill him. <laughs> to be with Anne, Michael asks Necessitor to remove his brain and put it in a jar with Anne. Necessitor says she won't survive long in a jar, but he has figured out a way to put her mind in a new body. Michael goes out to find a body for Anne. Michael goes to the local morgue and says none of these bodies seem to have any vavoom. The coroner does remind Michael that these people are dead. Michael then sees a beautiful woman get run over by a car. He gets very excited, but then very frustrated when he finds out she will be fine. Michael then decides to take a more direct approach. He fills a syringe with window cleaner, 
and goes and picks up a hooker with a beautiful body, but a very annoying voice. She says her voice makes most people want to kill her. He begs her to keep talking. Dolores tracks down Michael's car outside of the hooker's apartment. She is set on killing him. As the hooker sings Duke of Oil, Michael gets his syringe ready. He's prepared to kill her, but then changes his mind at the last minute. Dolores gets on the elevator and seems to recognize the man on there with her. The elevator reaches Michael's floor, and he finds Dolores dead, and also finds the elevator killer. His identity is revealed as Merv Griffin. He realizes he can use Dolores' body to save Anne's life, so he grabs the body and makes Merv Griffin promise to turn himself in. While rushing to the lab, Michael is pulled over by the police, who put him through a series of elaborate sobriety tests. Michael passes these, gets back into his car, and Dolores' body falls over. The cops realize she's dead, and Michael speeds off. The cops follow Michael back to the lab, where he hooks up Dolores' body and Anne's mind to the machine. They get some extra time as the cops use a battering ram to get through the walls. However, since the walls are paper thin, the cops run straight through the door and out of the back of the building, falling into the pool. They activate the machine, and when the police interrupt again, it causes an explosion. Michael is flung into the pool. Necessitor says the operation seems to be a success. But unfortunately, the doctor died. Michael wakes from a coma six weeks later. Anne is in Dolores' body and very happy that he is fine. However, she never told him that she was a compulsive eater and has gained a lot of weight. Michael, however, does not notice the weight. The movie ends when Michael takes his new bride to their home. They cross the threshold, but before fading to the credits, a warning pops up on the screen that Merv Griffin never turned himself in. If you know where he is, be warned, and contact your local theater immediately. Super Villain Beatdown Would you read that back to me? I'm afraid that might make me sound pompous to your readers. Uh, my brilliant research in brain transplantation is unsurpassed and will probably make my name live beyond eternity. Well, that's all right. Take out the probably makes me sound wishy-washy. While Michael performs operations, people are often observing. These include doctors, interns, and in one scene, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Dr. Furrier. It's off hard. I'm sorry. That's all right. A lot of people mispronounce it, but it sounds just the way it's spelled. H-F-U-H-R-U-H-U-R-R. Off hard. That's good. You just went a little past it there. Just put the brakes on a little Girl? Yes, sir? I want you to do something very important, all right? Okay. I want you to run home, and I want you to call the ER of North Bank General Hospital, 932-1000. Tell them to set up OR6 immediately and contact anesthesiologist Isadora Turek, 472-2112, beep 12. 
I'm sending an ambulance with a paramedic crew, light IV, D5 and W, KBO. You got it? That's good. Sounds like a subdural hematoma to me. Oh, it does, does it? Well, it's not your job to diagnose. But I thought... You thought, you thought, just go! Three years of nursery school and you think you know it all, but you're still wet behind the ears. It's not a subdural hematoma, it's epidural. Ha! God damn it, that makes me mad. After marriage, Anne's name officially becomes Anne uh Hopar. The Academy is looking forward to hearing you lectures this morning. Well, I hope I don't ruffle any feathers. My speech might be a little radical for some of the old guard. <laughs> it would take quite a bit to shock any of this crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, I can envision a day when the brains of brilliant men can be kept alive in the bodies of dumb people. David Warren plays a mad scientist you would expect to be pure evil, but that's just silly. Because he was already pure evil in Time Bandits. Who does the injecting, Dr. Necessity? You? Good Lord, no. It's the elevator killer, bless his heart. You're condoning murder, aren't you, Dr. Necessitor? As long as it's happening, I'm happy to accept it. The only time we doctors should accept death is when it's caused by our own incompetence. Nonsense! If the murder of 12 innocent people can help save one human life, it would have been worth it. Worth it? Worth it? You're condoning murder! I am not condoning murder, sir! I am doing research with the whole set of murder. You're not going to get it, Dr. you shut up! With a TV blaring all night, you have six grandchildren running up and down the halls. Sorry, Doctor. These walls look solid, but they're as thin as tissue paper. <laughs> Typical for a condo. Okay, true story. I was about eight or nine when I first saw this movie, and was really worried at the end when the message popped up that Merv Griffin did not turn himself in. I must warn you, Doctor. What you are about to see might strike you as the most incredible, awesome Incredible what? Awesome what? What am I going to do? Hi, what's going on? Don't interfere. He's paying me $15,000 just to touch my behind. You. Get out of here! Please, I don't! This is the kind of thing that could ruin our marriage. Why? Because you don't want me to work? You don't want me to earn my own money at my own career? You call this a career? I guess Dolores' head was literally not screwed on straight. Doctor, is Doctor Necessitor in? No, sir. Now wait for him. Yes. I meant, may I wait inside? Yeah. Who are you? Doctor Michael. Uh huh. Dr. Havar? What? You're the first object that ever pronounced it, right? How else could you pronounce it? It's H-F-U-H-R-U-H-U-R-R, isn't it? Yes. Who are you? Anne. Anne uh, Melmahay. 
U-U-M-E-L-L-M-A-H-A-Y-E. Oh, Melmahay? Yes. Here's your drink, sir. Thank you. Now, can I get you anything else, doctor? I am about to retire. Really? You seem so young. Rogue's Gallery. I'm going to invite you to a show. But first, allow me to destroy your gallery. It's crap! What is it that makes a person evil? It could be a complete absence of love. Dolores Benedict is a woman incapable of love, but is very good at imitating it. This is what makes her very dangerous. Finding older, often hurting, and always wealthier men to marry, she then takes great satisfaction in hurting them before killing them. She is like a poisonous flower, beautiful but deadly. Be careful admiring this portrait of Dolores Benedict in The Rogues Gallery. Sometimes a film will have more than one villain deserving of recognition. So in this episode, we add a special bonus portrait to the rogues gallery. The portrait of a man who is so evil, so heinous, and has such a love for killing that he had threatened an entire nation and got away with it scot-free. By the end of the story, this man is still on the loose and still a threat to the public. We add the portrait of the Elevator Killer, also known as Merv Griffin, to the Rogues Gallery. So you see, Dr. Hafar was a mad scientist, but he wasn't evil, and in the end everything worked out for him. Evil Kathleen Turner was hotter. Oh, yeah. Evil Kathleen Turner Oh, come on. I'm sorry, but I don't see the benefits of being good. Evil gives us wealth and power. No one ever got rich from curing cancer. That's why I threw the cure away. Wait, you had a cure for cancer? Yeah. Stumbled on it while making a zombie plague. Wasn't doing me any good, so I trashed it. Can you make it again? No. Every now and again, I purge unnecessary information from my brain. Makes room for some more of the big ideas. Master, I need to inform you. The Mastodon is here. Good. Crew, line up on the bridge. Shields up. Drudge, get him on the video wall. Coming in now, sir. So who is this before me? The king of the supervillains. Or a boy too scared to move. I reach out to you as a friend. What do I get? Disrespect. Those who are afraid to act should make way for those who are willing to do so. So I have to ask myself. What kind of man are you? First, I would like to say it was not my intention to disrespect you. Due to technical issues, I had not known of your attempt to reach me. So if you are indeed offended, tough. You don't get a phone call back and you think you can come take what I have? Mine was accidental, but your disrespect is blatant. Hear this, elephant man, and never forget who I am. I have walked in the Imperial Halls of Mongo, stood in the presence of the Merciless One himself, been tortured by his Chief of Secret Police, and utterly destroyed Lord Destructor. Clearly, I am not a man to be trifled with or disrespected. You cross me, and I will cut you down just like Dr. Gene Splicer. What? Fodder. Cut him down. The seventh level of hell is reserved for those who betray, as Dr. Splicer has learned. Now for your men and mine, 
allow me to introduce myself. I am the eclectic dyslexic, king of the supervillains. Now I have to ask myself, what kind of man are you? I would, at this time, offer my apologies for any disrespect and ask my leave of you, my king. Granted. The ship is pulling away, master. Don't you people have work to do? Get that cleaned up. Master. Yes, Drudge? Not that I mind this new attitude of yours. Quite impressive, actually. But I am curious as to what brought the change in attitude about. Drudge? I'm going to go to my room now. And I don't want to be disturbed. Of course, Master. Computer, read our last number. Hey, honey. What's that? No, no, I'm fine. Just a long day. How was your appointment? I see. Did the uh, treatment show any signs of improvement? Okay. So when's the next surgery? Okay. I know. I know. We'll figure it out. Are you taking your meds? This episode is dedicated to those who have survived and are currently battling cancer. You are beautiful, you are strong, and you matter. Never stop fighting. As the man once said, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. When life gives you the tools to be the bad guy, it's important to try to be good. Make someone smile. Make someone laugh. Share your favorite movie with them. And if you need some shelter from the villains of your life, then make sure to join me back here in the secret lair. This is Mark, the Eclectic Dyslexic, signing off.